The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. podcast. I'm your host Jason along with my good friend and co-host Roger and we're back again to talk about what we think is a really important subject, God. Uh, And particularly we're looking at the London Baptist Confession of 1689 and Article 2, Paragraph 2 that sounds kind of formal and distant whereas Mm -hmm. this particular paragraph, well so much of this confession is so personal, so important for our walk with the Lord. But before that, I wanted to, to see, um, Roger, if uh, something else that's important um, to our walk with the Lord. Um, Roger, are you a Dodgers fan? No. Did we just lose half our listeners? Are people going to condemn me on Sunday when they come to church now? I think they ought to condemn you. That's fine. Um as we're recording, the Dodgers are no longer in the race. Maybe by the time this comes out, we'll already know who the World Series winner is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm but not sad about that. <laughs> Roger, I, I always thought that Roger, since it rhymes with Dodger, I thought you'd be a fan. No, I've made fun of growing up, though, that way. But really? No. You were called Roger Dodger? Dodger no. Roger? Yeah. yeah. No. Roger the Draft Dodger? Something like that? I am a... Die hard still to this day because you oh, no. you pretty much grow up with oh. what your parents uh, are excited about. Except I have one exception. Don't say it. Die hard Detroit fan. Oh, okay. in many ways. Well, they're not any good, so that's fine. Exactly. That's why we're <laughs> die hard because we can go season by season losing, especially the Lions, and never win, and still be so excited that we may just win a game. And it's like winning the Super Bowl if you just win a regular game. season game. Look, it's have, amazing. <laughs> expectations like that, that's that's great. Low expectations, you know. Um, unfortunately for those of us that grew up in Los Angeles. And, and yeah, that is unfortunate. Days, you know, <laughs> we're like, if we don't win the championship, it's like, what a lost season. That's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but we are right in the middle of, or not the beginning of the uh, NBA season, too. I don't know what that has to do with uh, this topic, but I just thought I would let the listeners know that Roger is not a Dodger fan. Well, I'm like... pretty sad. <laughs> but but I we didn't lose. Oh well. What do you mean? You, Detroit okay. didn't lose. Well, we weren't in the playoffs. What actually, we lose. So. Oh man. Well, uh, Roger, this is an important topic <clears throat> as we uh, dig a little deeper into um, God's relationship with His creatures. And that is kind of something that we see in, in this paragraph, paragraph 2 of Article 2. Why don't you go ahead and, and read it to us? Okay. God has all life, glory, goodness, and blessedness in and of himself. He alone is all sufficient in himself. He does not need any creature he has made, nor does he derive any glory from them. Instead, he demonstrates his own glory in them, by them, to them, and upon them. He alone is the source of all being, and everything is from him, through him, and to him. He has absolute sovereign rule over all creatures, to act through them, for them, or upon them as he pleases. In his sight, everything is open and visible. His knowledge is infinite and infallible. 
It does not depend on any creature, so for him nothing is contingent or uncertain. He is absolutely holy in all his plans and all his works and in all his commands. Angels and human beings owe to him all the worship, service, or obedience that creatures owe to the Creator and whatever else he is pleased to require of them. I think we said amen and we should just wrap it up last time. We could probably do the same now. Just get a copy of this confession, read it, and and worship the Lord. Um, It's a a really important statement here in, in paragraph two. And it's the the second part of that first sentence. He says, He alone is all-sufficient in himself. And goes on to say, He does not need any creature he has made. If ever any of us had an ego, (laughs) this should kind of bring that to an end. Yes. God doesn't need you yeah or me do you and believe then, that i'm encouraged by that mm. explain because it doesn't depend on us what if he needed us mm. what if it was us that was so important to fulfill god's plan and will upon the earth i don't know about you but i fail miserably <laughs> oh yeah right and think about where our hope would be found our hope found in man, yeah. our hope found in the God who can use anybody whenever, wherever, and however he wants so that he receives the glory. Okay, but hold on, Roger. You have to admit that God needs us to worship him, right? Absolutely, right? He needs us well, to worship. He needs us to worship. <laughs> no. Right? I mean, it's a statement of, well, God was lonely, and so yeah. he created creatures so that he can experience love, that they can love him. That puts God in the beginning to start in his character as deficient of something. That's right. And, and what the confession is bringing us back to is God was never deficient. He didn't create out of deficiency. Yeah. He created to reflect and to bring glory to himself. So it's an outflowing, you know, it's, it's the source of life. is always going back to God. God is not deriving That's right. it from us. And... You know, we haven't talked about the Trinity, but as you think of the Trinity mm-hmm. in all eternity, there is this communion going on before man had ever come upon the scene. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I, I love I love this uh, this paragraph or, or short statement from Matthew Barrett. And some of you guys mm-hmm. may be familiar with Barrett. He had his book called None Greater about God's attributes. Read it, uh, study it. It's so good so important uh, to, to know the attributes of God. But one of the things that uh, he says early on in that book, I think is, is fascinating. He says, what was God doing before he created the world? Perhaps he was lonely. And being lonely, he needed to fill that empty hole in his heart. So he decided to create the world. That way he could have fellowship with others. Now that the world is here, God is not so lonely anymore. Because of us, he feels fulfilled and whole. He totally failed, if that was true, right? Because in the first two creatures, they went their own way. We messed it up. They went their own way. They didn't give God what he wanted. Yeah. 
if that was if that right yeah I mean, absolutely if that's what fulfilled him if that was fulfilled him wow he made a huge mistake that's right and it's fascinating. So obviously that's satire from him. Yes, he's, of course. He's trying to make a point that... Yeah. But, but I, I, as I read that, I thought to myself, you know, a lot of people, we may not say it in these particular words, but I do think that we have had this sense that God had to create us. Mm. You know, if he, if he wanted to be given glory or, or if he, you know, he wanted to be worshipped or... But the statement says, the confession says... He doesn't derive any glory from us. He he gives us. Yeah. He doesn't take from us. He gives. It's it's always that direction, uh, and and that's hard to, to understand, but really important to understand. Would you say? Yeah, and I think if we even think about what glorifies God, where does that come from? Did that come from me to begin with? Right. You know, if Ephesians 2.10, the works that are set before us come beforehand from him and they're for him and for his glory, they originated in him. We're just vessels to reflect it back to him. And and so there is a sense that it originated him. We're bringing back what is already his to begin with. That's right. And, you know, um, it's important, uh, you know, Barrett says, look, if you think that God needs you for relationship or even for that kind of glory, you can't forget that God is within himself triune. Mm -hmm. And there is perfect eternal communion between Father, Son, and Spirit. And again, we're going to get to the Trinity at some point, but that's really important to keep in mind. God, and because he is who he is, the triune God, has no need for any creature. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and that is very different than any creature, right? We are dependent beings at our core, yeah. and he is fully independent at his core. Yeah. Um, and doesn't it free you up, you know, if you think about it, it frees you up to live and to serve him without putting the weight of the world on your shoulders. If you mm-hmm. think you're the hero, mm-hmm. and you think it's so so much depends on you, not only does it create an ego, uh, in a sense of just a self-glory, but it creates a sense of pulling away God and making you God yeah. in, in a small type of way. As if, if you or I didn't exist, like something couldn't go on, like his, his, his plan can't go on, he can't do things. We just see that from scripture, how he used people, he lifted some up, brought some down. Yeah. They were all his creatures living a story that was not their own. And it's fascinating because one of the very things that we um, as humans fight against is this reality. Yeah. That he is different and has the right to be. That he is creator. He is ase. He's independent and has the right to be the only one who's given glory and honor and all these things. And, And even in the garden, what was Satan's temptation? You know, don't you want to be like God? Isn't he withholding something good from you? Um, as though us being God, which we're not, is somehow good. Yeah. It isn't and it could never be. And I think still we struggle with that in, in our in our yeah. rebellion. But let's keep going. What, what else is going on here in this statement? So looking at how he sovereignly rules over all creatures to act through them, for them 
or upon them as he pleases. Hmm. It's interesting how they how they bring that about. Hmm. He's working through them for them or upon them as he pleases. So he's doing something. He he has a plan. He has a will. He works that out through creatures. There are means to how God is working right. through all things. Yep. And it's not just God outside there. there. You know, people are part of this plan. Yeah. And people are experiencing that working as he pleases, not as we want, but as he wants. Yeah. In them, or in this case, through them, for them, or upon them. Earlier, in them, by them, to them, upon them. Yeah. He's doing it. He's mm-hmm. going. He's the source of all. Uh, and everything is from him, through him, and to him. Or we're the recipients. Mm-hmm. Through them, for them, upon them, as he pleases. But where, where does this come from? Uh, for him, or sorry, from him, through him, and to him. That's from, I think that's Romans 11, isn't it? Romans 11, probably yes. verse 36 or so. Yeah, 34 to 36. Such a fantastic, mm-hmm. you know, glorious statement from Paul, who, if we turn there, you know, Romans 11, actually I'll start at 33, because he's been talking about this glorious plan of God, and he, he says at some point, because it's so... <laughs> glorious and wise and overwhelming. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. Mm-hmm. What's left in this? From him, through him, and to him. Yeah. He's the source. He's the one who is the instrument through which it takes place. And it's for him, for his his glory. He's the end, the telos, the purpose. Yeah. And you just think about ourselves and our lives revolving all around us. Yeah. As one of the biggest problems we face, yeah. Yeah. you know, we we leave we leave God out, or we bring Him in, but it's according to our plan, our wants, our desires, our thoughts, how we see things should function. We tell God how to be God. That's right. That's right. And and we don't like uh, that. It's all for Him. We we want it to be for us, and I, I like the way. You know, yeah. you were pointing out to this idea of, you know, through them, for them, upon them. He's still using us. Yeah. He's working in us, through us, on us. Yeah. And I even think of as, as he's doing it through us, as he's blessing, as he's bringing about great things to man. It's reflecting back to him, but man is being blessed by it. You think, I think of the psalmist, I can't remember the psalm, but it says, come with me and, and look at what God has done. Look at all he's accomplished. That's him working throughout all of creation. So we can look around and say, look what God has done in our lives, in and through everything. So man is not just outside here, just a pawn in God's hands to do whatever he wants as if his will is against man. 
But the, I think the point is, it's all going back to him. We're, we're returning the glory back to God so that he receives the rightful um, uh, glory for what he's done. Yeah. We, we're being used, we're, we're receiving the blessing of this amazing God. Amen. Um, Amen. Why would we want to take out the center? Mm-hmm. Right? Why do you want, why do we want to replace the center about, you know, around which everything revolves and everything makes sense around that center? And when we, in our rebellion, try to replace God, we're, we're, destroying the system obviously we can't because god is god but it's an attempt to uh, and and it wouldn't make any sense instead let us remember the creator creature distinction know our place yeah Uh, you know these other phrases stay in our lane no uh, whatever you want to say but but know our place and and rejoice in the fact that he's allowed us that place in his plans isn't it amazing how Sin is insanity, right? And we don't think about it, but that, that's what our hearts yeah. rebel against, that we want things. Yeah. We want what we shouldn't want. Yeah. And that takes us off track to pull God out of the center. That's At that true. moment, I want this more than I want God's glory because we have this fallen part of us, even redeemed, we still have this flesh in us and this this fallen part of us that can still uh, go away from the center and gravitate towards self. And we're constantly battling this back and forth. And we know when we're so reminded that it doesn't work. I know. And we keep doing it. And that's the problem. (laughs) If knowledge was just the problem, it would be really easy to be holy and sanctified fully. That's right. Because we can, we can learn a lot and, and we know knowledge isn't the main problem it's just one aspect of our heart but desires do not always match up with knowledge i know what's right but i want what's wrong the human condition is that yeah um i want to read this uh, also about the creator creature distinction yeah i want to read this from uh, barrett's same book it says there is most fundamentally a difference in nature between the creator and the creature The former having life in and of himself, the latter deriving life Mm. from the one who is life. We are born into this world totally dependent, finite in every way. And so as we think about the independence of God, we need to think about the dependence of man. And and I, I, I wanted to add this statement from Barrett. This one, I don't know which page number. But he said, I didn't get the page of the other ones. Anyway. Biblical worship is due to God, not because he needs us, but because we need him. Mm-hmm. Worship is our rightful place. We, we should be worshiping. We are yeah. meant to be worshipers. We function the right way when we're worshipers of God. And otherwise, we're kind of less than human. Yeah. And we are always worshiping, right? That's right. We're either worshiping God or we're worshiping something else because we were created to worship and that's we're right. going to gravitate to some type of worship. But any type of worship that's outside of him is disordered. That's right. That's right. It, it, um, let, let, let's push on just because yeah. of time. But um, the next thing that they talk about is what? His knowledge. Yeah. What, what do we find from the confession about the knowledge of God? 
So he sees everything. He knows everything. It's all open to him. And it's infinite and infallible. Hmm. It's complete. Yep. There's nothing wrong with his knowledge. He doesn't make assumptions. He's right every single time. Yeah. Yep. And, and I love the next line. It does not depend upon any creature. Mm -hmm. So for him, nothing is contingent or uncertain. Now, there's a lot of implications there. We're going to get to yeah. it when we finally one day get to the decree the following chapter. But the reason his knowledge is not conditioned, uh, is, is so perfect and fallible is because his knowledge is grounded in his own essence and his decree. It's not that he's waiting to see what you're going to do or what someone else is going to do. It's not conditioned by any creature or their actions. So you mean he sees me when I sin? Oh, yeah. And when I tell him and confess, that's not the first time he learned about it? No. Sorry to burst your bubble. No. He does know. Right? <laughs> and, uh, what we think Santa Claus knows, God actually knows. <laughs> right? He knows when you're sleeping. And awake. He, he knows it all. Yeah. It's not uncertain. It's not contingent. It's not <clears throat> dependent. He's not waiting to see what you're going to do to determine what he's going to do. But isn't that an encouraging thought? That is not contingent upon us. His love is not waning back and forth dependent upon us. It's, it goes back to, I always think back to Jerry Bridges, that mm. good day, bad day. That in a sense that you have somehow manipulating God by how you are living your life. Yeah. As if God is changing and he reminds us God never changes. His love is as fixed as on your best day as on your worst day. That's not changing God. That just reminds me of Second Timothy. I think it's chapter 2 where he talks about when we are uh, faithless, yeah. he is faithful. Yep. Right? He can't um, deny himself. So yeah, if it were contingent on us, it's one day we'd be one day we'd be saved, the next day we'd be under his wrath again, right? Probably one moment. <laughs> Some exactly. days. <laughs> Actually, there's no moment we'd be saved. Let's be honest. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Not dependent. Not dependent. Yeah. He sees it all. Everything's open and visible. That that tells you also, um, even what we don't see about ourselves. Yeah. And I. I Hate that that's true, that there are so many blind spots we have, right? Um, he sees those, mm -hmm. which makes his love all the more amazing, right? Yeah. He sees the, the bottom of our hearts, the darkness that nobody sees that we cover over and make our image look so much better around others. Yeah. He sees it all. He sees those wrong motives. Wait, um, he's not getting his information from Facebook or Instagram? Twitter. Twitter. It's all Twitter. It's all okay. Twitter. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of sin on Twitter, so I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of perfection uh, on Facebook and Instagram. It's not that version. He sees deep, deep yeah. beneath uh, all that veneer. Uh, what about that, the, the last line? That, that one stands out to me. Angels and human beings owe to him all the worship, service, or obedience that creatures owe to the Creator and whatever else He's pleased to require. Of them. <laughs> There's right. a lot of obligations there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, He created us. Yeah, and I, I love that He says we owe to Him worship, service, and obedience, which makes me wonder. 
what does that say about unbelief? Hmm. Because part of worship, obviously, is knowing God, believing that God is, and, and then worshiping and, and serving him, or knowing that we have to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So what what's going on in unbelief? Yeah, I wonder if thinking of it's not lack of knowledge that's our problem. It's a hard problem. It's a it's a submission problem to the God that we all know exists that we reject, dependent upon how much knowledge we have of Him. It may look different, but the Bible even tells us we all know there's a Creator. We reject Him. Yeah, you know Romans one tells us, and Psalm nineteen reveals to us how He's revealed to us in creation and in the Word of God, both in His general and His special revelation. He's made Himself obvious, and our unbelief is really rejection of God more than it is. I didn't know. Yeah. I was ignorant. It's not ignorance. It's rebellion. Yep, it's rebellion. It's rebellion uh, um, grounded in kind of this. It's what I what I would call a deficient condition. We're mm-hmm. we're not, and that's why I said earlier we're not fully human when yeah. we're not worshiping God. And so there's this this condition of unbelief that is destructive mm-hmm. to ourselves. Right, we're destroying ourselves by rebelling against God. Um, and I would say that people have a moral obligation inherent to who we are as human beings to believe and worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a moral issue to, to not believe. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Just some thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, There's one statement right before, one sentence, yeah. where he says he's absolutely holy in all his plans, in all his works, and in all his commands. Mm-hmm. It makes you think about how living in a fallen world, we both experience difficulties, right? We experience different sufferings. We experience life going the wrong direction and things interrupt. Mm-hmm. Cancer interrupts our life. Death interrupts our life. Sure. Disability, so much interrupts. Yeah. All part of God's plans mm-hmm. that at times we may not have the details of why and we may not get the answers here on earth of mm-hmm. why. But there's a sense of it doesn't bring, it doesn't change God. His character still remains perfect. There's something in those plans that are just so above our understanding that we cannot grasp here on earth. At the same time, it makes me think of when you see the world outside and you see what's going on around us, seemingly like God is not on his throne anymore, but he is. I was reminded on a podcast today of just, how much is going, you know, in different directions and at the very end. But Jesus is still on his throne. It was a simple reminder of don't forget, don't get so lost. But I think it's so easy, isn't it? We go through life and we forget, as the psalmist says, God is on his throne doing what he pleases. It hasn't changed. And I think uh, part of that is because we think of God like we think of ourselves. He's we don't see him as qualitatively different than us, just mm-hmm. maybe quantitatively different. He's just bigger. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's not true because, you know, what is it about my plans that my kids sometimes hate? Uh, I can't, I don't think of everything. And so sometimes my plans are all messed up. <laughs> you know, I can't think of everything. And, and sometimes things are outside of my control. Yeah. That's never true about our God. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking around going, I can't believe this is happening and wondering, 
did God mess up? Is something going on? Or we could stop and go, okay, God has a plan and he is all wise and his plans are glorious and beautiful. Mm -hmm. They're holy. They're different than ours. And then not only that, but I like the, the way the confession lays out. He's holy in all his works too. Yeah. I do wrong things. Roger, I know you've never done wrong things, but theoretically... Only about a thousand times today. Oh, just today. Just. <laughs> but in all his works, in what he does, he's holy. We may not like what he does, but that's a problem with us. Mm -hmm. Our abil ability to see and understand. But his works are holy and they are good. And then it says, in all his commands. So we don't get to pick and choose which commands we obey, even if they don't look good to us yeah. uh, including imagine Abraham hey go sacrifice your son I mean Abraham could have been like alright hold on a second here that, that, that can't be right so I'm just not going to do it but Abraham understood faith says God is God and I'm not um, it says God is holy in all these ways and I follow that's, that's what I owe him. I'm a creature. So we always have the choice of how we're going to respond. To respond to him. We don't have the choice of what's going to happen. We don't choose what or how we want God to act. But we can respond to him, his character, and to the world around us as things do occur. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we respond with this knowledge of who God is. Mm -hmm. that, that's the calling, right? It's Sometimes it doesn't look right. We're looking, it doesn't make sense, right? Sometimes, there was a book, right? Sometimes when God doesn't make sense or something like that, there are some books like that. Sometimes, and the problem is not in God, it's in us. Yeah. Um, and, and so often, later on, we turn back and go, oh, well, that makes a whole lot of sense. The cross itself, mm -hmm. I am sure, to the disciples, did not make any sense until they realized, yeah. without that, we have nothing. Yeah. So in a sense, our fretting, our being worried, our being anxious mm -hmm. are signs that our focus is off of Him. Yeah. And that's easy to happen, right? Yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah. Like you said, a thousand times today, even <laughs> yeah. for me. But yeah, what a what important what an important um, paragraph here. Mm -hmm. This was a good a good discussion, Roger. Really important stuff. I wish we could even go further into it, but uh, I think we have to wrap it up right here. Any any kind of last thought, Roger, that jumped out at you? Something that you want to leave our listeners with? Well, I think looking at how this is building, um, it'll build now into the Trinity. And looking forward to discussing that and seeing how we've talked about God's character. We've talked about his relationship to us. And now we're going to talk about really who he is in relationship to himself yeah. in the Trinity. So, Yeah. Well, we hope that uh, our listeners uh, enjoyed this discussion as well. Uh, so much more to dig into. We do encourage you to pick up uh, books like Matthew Barrett's None Greater. And uh, last time I think Roger encouraged us to pick up a London Baptist Confession. If you uh, need a copy, if you don't know where to get a copy, you can get it online, but you can also just send us an email. We'll make sure to find a way to get one to you um, if you would like. So please keep that in mind. 
And again, if you have any questions, any thoughts, anything that this has triggered, or completely different questions that you might want to ask us, please don't hesitate to get in contact with us. And uh, we look forward to the next time we're together. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff Podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.